Socrates once said the shortest and surest way to live with honor in the world is to be in reality what we would appear to be. All human virtues increase and strengthen themselves by the practice and experience of honor. It's true that integrity is always doing the right thing even when no one's looking. Truth be told, someone's always looking. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what is your reputation among believers? What is your reputation among unbelievers? How can anyone accept our faith if the way we live is in opposition to what we profess to believe? Could it be that our lives should always reflect what we say we believe? Could it be that it's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts? In this episode of Keep It 100, we will talk about how to handle dishonor when it comes at you personally, what dishonor look like in a day-to-day lifestyle. We will also hear from Cherie Bowles and a wisdom window with Pastor Rich Wilkerson Sr. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and your real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Everybody, welcome to another rockin' episode of Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista Smith. Hey, hey, family, what's going on? Thanks so much for joining us, for tuning in twice a month. And I tell you what, this week we're excited to continue the conversation of Conquering a Culture of Dishonor Part Two. And this week we're focusing on identifying spiritual abuse and honor in real time happening right now. This whole subject of honor is so important because it's the key to relationships, faith, and life. And so we're excited to bring this to you. And before we do it, we want to talk about some highlights. We've had some incredible highlights. Oh my goodness. We have had some incredible trips and encounters with God. We just got back from Miami, Florida, at Trinity Church with Dr. Rich and Robin Wilkerson, and we had an incredible time. Oh yeah. They are, they have been heroes of mine for years. So for us to do Sunday morning services, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, but it really was, as they called it, Holy Ghost Revival Meetings. It really was that. The last night alone, we had a fire tunnel where we laid hands on close to 400 people. We saw dozens upon dozens of people get saved in that same meeting. Yes, We saw probably close to 100 people baptized in the Holy Ghost, receiving their heavenly language, then called out words of knowledge for healing. And so we went for it just in that service alone. I tell you what, we are seeing more and more, I think because the desperation barometer has risen in so many Christians in America today, we're just desperate for a fresh encounter. And we're seeing that. We saw that in Miami, such a hungry, amazing, group. They came out night after night, day after day, just wanting more of Jesus. And the crowd increased as the meetings continued because they were then bringing friends and family. And we just saw a hunger just pull on heaven and heaven encountered earth. I mean, it really was powerful. It was really one of those times, boo, where we could have extended the meetings. Agreed. I could probably count on my hand how many were I was convinced that there was that grace to extend the meetings, but we believe that God's extending the work in their hearts. That's right. And then the weekend prior, which we didn't get to share this with you, and this was so powerful as well. We had a women's conference and Sean is amazing. He turned down an opportunity to come and support me. I was so grateful to have him. And we were with this incredible group in Mississippi. And again, that hunger was there. These amazing women, uh, you know, came just wanting more of Jesus and the ramp worship team, who is phenomenal, by yes. the way, led us in worship. And they Shout just did incredible. Wheaton and their team. Right? Amazing. And we saw this beautiful group of women in Mississippi go after God. And again, prophetic ministry happened, salvation happened. And the words of knowledge, because you got up and flowed with me, and there were a couple services, there was very specific words of knowledge. We saw literally women get set free. It was amazing to be in those meetings as a male, to just see 
first of all, how powerful the presence of the Lord was. And you were really used of God. Your words were just right on. And it was awesome to be down there in Mississippi. You know, even as us being an interracial couple, I think that was so significant and met some great, great folks down there. You know, as we're talking about this thing of honor, it's interesting because a, a meme made certain rounds this past week. And I've saw certain friends of mine posting on social media. It was a Mike Tyson meme where Mike Tyson is quoted as saying, social media made y'all way too comfortable with disrespecting people and not getting punched in the face for it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Come on, Mike Tyson, bringing it. I tell you what, so true. And you know, social media really has created a culture of cynics and, you know, call out practitioners, so to speak, because they're like practicing all the time, just calling people out. Anything exposed as a weakness or what some of views is less than, there is this continued pattern of publicly calling out and criticizing those that's what's considered less than or weak or not making the the, the grade, so to speak. It's interesting because I remember a while back, Justin Timberlake uh, had a song and in the song, he says, it's time to bring sexy back. And then at that time, the artist formerly known as Prince responded with, it's never left. But when it comes to bringing honor back, it's important because it's left a while back. And we need to start with the church because at present, the church and the world don't look that different from one another. Some people are just too ready to be petty. Ooh, say that for the people in the back. You know, it's true because we live in a world in which loudmouth, crass behavior is mistaken for virtue or even worse, leadership. Success is defined by one's money rather than one's morality. It's defined by their outward condition over their inward character. And straight talk is valued over straight respect. Whatever happened to being honorable? There's a real need for us to look at this afresh. You know, as we're talking about honor, let's break it down. So the Greek word for honor has to do with treating someone as valuable, weighty, and even precious. It really has to do with elevating someone into their worth and their value. When we honor someone, something, we're actually lifting the status up of that person or that thing. and And we choose not to see something as broken or weak, but actually as valuable because they're a child of God. You know, we have to understand we're missing out on treasure. We're missing out on who God's created because God has created hidden treasures in very ordinary vessels like you and I, you know, in the ordinariness of people, there are these beautiful hidden gems and honor actually pulls that out. So if you can't call out the extraordinary from the ordinary, how really can you be used as a voice for God? And for those that want, especially want to be used in the prophetic, all the more you have to learn how to see things and people as God sees them. You know, and we have to understand on the other side of that, the flip side of that is dishonor is actually treating someone or something as common, ordinary, and even replaceable. We really have to understand we dishonor God if we dishonor people. And man, that's a sobering thing. And how we honor can't be based on if we're inspired to honor or if we feel like honoring, right? Or if we're in a good mood or we feel like being nice. But we have to understand we have to treat them that they are understanding they're God's offspring. And there's a spiritual responsibility that if we don't treat them as God's offspring, we're actually dishonoring them. I would also add to that, Boo, when we believe that we deserve the respect and honor of other people, but others have to earn our respect and honor, this is the definition of entitlement. Ooh, say that. Ooh, that is so well said. You know, as you were sharing that story, I was reminded of 1 Samuel 2.30. And many of you know that portion of scripture. And it says, you know, but the Lord says, for them that honor me, I will honor and they that dishonor me shall be lightly esteemed. You know, God has promised to honor those who honor him. So you and I have become recipients of divine 
honor when we honor the Lord within our lives. And that's every single day. You know, it is part of divine honor for God to answer our prayers, deliver us from our troubles, lift us into dignity. Come on, friends, can we all agree? It's a benefit that God gets into our trouble with us when we're in trouble, meaning he'll meet us in our trouble and he'll take us. He doesn't leave us in the trouble. And yet when we honor him, he will honor us even to a place of bringing us out to restoration. I think that this really leads to this important principle that who you choose to honor and what you choose to honor will determine the working of God in your life. That's so good. Charles Spurgeon considered the the Prince of Preachers has his classic sermon boo on honor. And what he includes in this sermon is simply the following thoughts that I just want to bring to our listeners. Charles Spurgeon says, our thoughts of other men becomes other men's thoughts of us. And it's so funny sometimes that we feel that we can think low of other people, but be held in high esteem by them. It doesn't work that way because according as we measure out to others, so do they measure back to us. Good for good, evil for evil. I always feel like, hey, if I so honor to other people when it's time for me or when I need to be encouraged, that honor will return. So Charles Spurgeon went on to say, so especially in reverence to the Lord himself, he says, the God of justice sooner or later will cause a man to reap his own sowing and gathering his own scattering. And then as if to just do a drop mic after that, Charles Spurgeon made this classic quote. He says, a man's life is often its own echo. As if to say that if you live a life of honor, your life will be honored. Man, Charles Spurgeon's quote and thought, I I challenge anyone to go and read that. You can Google it and find it online. Now, keep it 100. We have a wisdom window with Pastor Rich Wilkerson. We were just at their church. He pastors Trinity, Miami. Rich Wilkerson's long time been a hero of mine. He has a book out entitled, I Choose Honor, The Key to Relationships, Faith, and Life. And so listen in as we hear Pastor Rich Wilkerson. Pastor Rich Wilkerson has been a longtime hero of mine. Chris and I just got finished doing some meetings here at the amazing church of Trinity, Miami. Pastor Rich, I want to ask you, how do you define honor? Well, thanks, Sean. Let me just say before I even answer your question that you and Krista just blew our whole scene up here. I mean, it was was divine. It it was a divine intervention from heaven. Our people uh, are giving like crazy. Uh, We're not hurting that way, thank God. But they're just not coming back to church. Most of our church uh, is uh, Caribbean Black American. And as you know, that's just a vulnerable group of people with this COVID thing. So they've got that thing going and it's just hard to get. So, I mean, seriously, the crowds we had this week, it's just a miracle of God. I'm telling you, it's a miracle of God. And we're, everyone's astounded. We were in the altars till 11 at night. That's just the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's the anointing that you and Krista carry. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, In answer of your question, it would take me about an hour and a half. So I'm going to give it to you in about a minute and a half. There's a Greek word in the New Testament uh, for worship, and it's proskuneo. And uh, one of the definitions of this Greek word is to kiss upward. It's a weird, because you think of other things when you hear that. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Because whenever you honor someone in this country, people go, oh yeah, you're just, you're just buttering them up. You want something, you see? But this Greek word literally means to to kiss upward. And it's it's a word for worship. There's another two meanings of it. it it's you fall on your knees to worship God. So you kiss the Lord 
in worship, upward worship. And uh, when I learned that some years back, I thought to myself, that's what honor is. Because the worship word, proskuneo, is also a, a word for honor in the Greek, proskuneo. And it's to literally find something to bless the person about themselves that no one else calls out. And we've learned, my wife and I have both learned, and my sons have all picked up on it, that when you honor people, when you bless people, when you lift them up with your words versus being caustic or wrath-filled or cynical, cynical is the kiss of death for a man or woman of God, to be cynic, to make fun, to put down. And we're usually the best at that in the church, put each other down and you kind of make fun. That's kind of the humor, the put down humor. And God really smashed that in our family's life years ago. And we started the honor circle at our tables. Whenever one of the boys had a birthday, his brothers, we have four sons, so his brothers would have to say something nice about him. Oh, that was like pulling teeth out of their head. You know, like you, you've got to say something. Uh, 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 uh. Now, all of their churches, whenever there's a birthday staff member, one of the elders of the church, they pull them into the honor circle. And people begin to start talking, saying nice words. And you see people literally sometimes begin to tremble. They've never, ever been blessed like that before. Honor opens the door to victories you never even dreamed because I've had some of the greatest Christian leaders in America when I say something nice to them say oh rich come on you say nice stuff to everybody and I'll stop them and I say wait a minute isn't that the call of God on our life and they they always stop in their tracks and they say yeah you're right yeah you're right so we've lived we have seven core values at our church and a rich junior and I wrote them years ago and and one of those seven core values is honor is our calling and that we've been called to honor one another Man, Pastor Rich, that's so profound. I mean, you actually answered two questions. So I'm going to throw in a bonus question now. In addition to cynicism, in our current generation, discipling millennials, Gen Zs, what do you feel is the biggest battle that they face or this current emerging culture faces to being and walking out honor? Uh, instant information. And uh, when you can get instant information concerning a so-called friend who lives a thousand miles away, uh, something they said, maybe off the cuff, it wounds. So that person immediately feels like, let's give it back, and war starts. And that's what we have in, in America. We have word wars, and, and, and the word wars lead to physical wars. And we are always supposed to meet wrathful words with grace, humility, honor. I'm not going to return something to someone that is evil that they did to me. I'm just not going to do it. I am a man who wholeheartedly believes the golden rule. And of course, Jesus took the golden rule from the Old Testament. This was a Jewish, I mean, mission that we will do unto others as we would have others do unto us. And so however someone responds to me or promotes something to me or against me, I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to love them. That's what Jesus did. Sometimes those words will 
calm the storm. They'll come back later on and say, you know, I didn't. And I'll say, I know you didn't. That's why I didn't respond. That's all. Man, Pastor Rich, thanks so much. It's been such a blessing, man. We love you and Dr. Robin, man. And we can't wait to get back and hang with you guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much, Sean. Oh, my goodness. That man has so much wisdom. I love that we highlighted him in the wisdom window. It's so rich, so deep. And what I love is that's a voice I want to continue to hear in my life because he's just walked a lifestyle of honor. So there's such an authority with what he shares. You know, with that being said, fam, we want to jump into our Hundo P segment. And for those of you that may be new to us, just know that's where we break it down with real talk and we answer some key questions. How do you define spiritual abuse in today's church? And what are some of the signs of spiritual abuse? You know, in their book, The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse, authors David Johnson and Jeff Van Vauteren assert that this type of abuse is the mistreatment. And I love this definition that they come up with. They say it's the mistreatment of a person who's in need of help, support, or greater spiritual empowerment with the result of weakening, undermining, or decreasing someone's personal spiritual empowerment. So what I love is it's really understanding that when people come into a church, they want to get better. They want breakthrough. They want to be empowered. They want to walk in their fullness. And abuse is when they actually become weaker, when they actually get more broken down. It's when their spiritual authority is undermined, their worth and their value is actually decreased. And so five signs of spiritual abuse in the church today that we really want to call out simply for the sake of having having people really look at the circumstances and understand that we want to be in healthy places. But in order to know if you're in a healthy place, you have to read some signs. The first signs of spiritual abuse is when questioning leads to ostracizing. Wow. You know, truth is when you know you're in a spiritually abusive environment, that if you question or bring a different line of thinking, you then become ostracized from the inner circle. You no longer have a seat at the table. You're no longer included in the discussions. Your opinion is no longer welcomed. It's when disagreement is categorized as unspiritual. Basically, disagreement is viewed as a default within you, so to speak. We have to understand that when someone is disagreeing or maybe not in line with the one way of thinking within that community, they are viewed as possibly their salvation is kind of up for negotiation. That is the basis of spiritual abuse. The second sign of spiritual abuse is emphasis on compliance, or can I say it this way so our listeners really grab a hold of it? Overemphasis of submitting to authority. You know, we have to understand that when there is a over teaching and an overemphasis, and you see this when it keeps being used on compliance and conforming and submitting to authority. Yes, there is a biblical principle on submitting to authority. You bet. Uh, I submit my life to God. God is the lordship of my life. And I, 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 with everything in me, I'm always saying, trying to put myself in a posture of aligning with the word of God, aligning with the truth of God. That's the spiritual authority. But then there is natural authority God's placed in my life. My husband has authority in my life. My parents have authority in my life. I have accountability partners in my life. They're in the, in the natural and your profession your boss has authority over you. There is, you know, you're serving a team at the church. There's leaders over that team. There's natural 
places where we see managers, bosses, leaders, whatever it may be, whatever title you want to call them, they are people of authority that we're called to submit to or to come under, so to speak. But that doesn't mean that they can take advantage, that they can abuse, that they can speak down to you or in such a way where they are emphasizing your need to comply and to submit to them, that has crossed a line into spiritual abuse. Third sign of spiritual abuse is an overemphasis on titles and layers of authority. Now, I recognize that there is a five-fold office and there are certain titles that are given, but when there's an overemphasis on titles and there are layers of authority, this can obviously be construed many times as a sign of spiritual abuse. One of the things that I've noticed over the years in ministry that is now just has eclipsed three decades of ministry is armor bearers. Now, while I believe that's biblical and the heart to serve your leaders, I think it's so huge. Elisha served Elijah. Joshua served Moses. We have great examples of that. But I believe that armor bearers at the beck and call of a leader that forgets about the well-being of that volunteer, being a child of God too, can somewhat become abusive. Armor bearers in the Old Testament, they carried the armor for, let's say, kings. So Saul would have an armor bearer. Jonathan would have an armor bearer as they were royalty to carry their armor. And I think now it's kind of translated to where you got to carry the first lady's purse. Now, if you want to do that and help and serve your leader, that's one thing. But when that's placed upon you and she or he can't carry their own stuff on their own, and it's just like they're going to walk away and expect you to always carry it. Sometimes a level of that can lead into some presumption and maybe go further south than that and become abuse. I think this unique trend became popular in churches about 25 years ago, and it still thrives, but it seems to disproportionately appeal to insecure leaders who need an entourage to make them feel important. Mm. Now, while I believe that there's healthy outlets of armor bearers. So hear me, everyone listening, I am not saying that armor bearing or being an armor bearer is not important. It's huge. I was one. But I'm saying as leaders, it's important that you see that volunteer as a child of God. I see armor bearers that I feel like easily in churches are probably being taken advantage of. And so here's what I noticed from scripture. Jesus is our model. Jesus, someone said, is the perfect theology of Father God. Satan offered the celebrity spotlight by showing Jesus the world's glory and saying, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. That's Matthew 4, 9. But Jesus didn't buy it. He chose the path of servanthood, even though he knew it would lead him to the cross. Fourth sign of spiritual abuse is an emphasis on authority in the sense that leaders are insulated from criticism and proper reporting relationships. And we've seen where people have not had accountability and they've fallen. And we see where sometimes the people that fill up the pew in the church aren't given the lowdown on what happened to their leader. And all of a sudden it leaks out to the public. It's out in the local newspaper. It's in the Twitter world. It's all over. And the people are going to the church not knowing what went on. And then maybe these leaders are kind of get up in the pulpit and they'll be very vague about what happens. That's not honoring to the people that are paying their tithe to that church and are sitting under the leadership for you to not be honest. And if 
if it's sin, call it sin. And if it's sin and you called it sin, you need to repent of it. You can't change it because at the end of the day, when you're a leader and you're insulated from substantive criticism and proper reporting relationships and accountability, that is abuse. You know, the fifth and final sign of spiritual abuse is when you're seeing a trail of cutoff relationships in a church culture. And it's when you begin to see that people are treated more like property rather than really investors into the mission, community, and family of the house of God. You know, how many times have we seen people where there's this pattern of no long-term relationships? Every, you know, few years, they've gone through a whole new staff. When you see a high turnover of staff, when you're seeing a high influx where a new church body, a new church body, a whole new team, a whole new staff. And there is turnover on any staff, whether it's healthy or not. But I'm talking about when you're having an entire staff literally kind of exit out and a whole new staff comes in, you know, you have to kind of read the signs. There's a potential. I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying there's potentially some spiritual abuse that's happening, a toxic behavior, because we have to understand relationships in the kingdom of God are not disposable. And there are many leaders where they've grown up with that mentality. I know this was modeled to a lot of leaders of my age group where, you know, it was all about the mission and you get people on your mission, you get people excited about your project, you get people excited about what you're doing, you gather people for the purpose of the project. But we have to understand that even if someone isn't with your project or a part of your mission, they're still very important. So when you're quick to dispose kind of that out of sight, out of mind mentality where, wow, they're not helping me, you don't see them as beneficial right? To your mission. So many times you can get a tunnel vision and you can begin to exclude, cut people off where people are really vested in you as a person, but because they're not helping you with their mission, all of a sudden they don't have access to you. And if that continues and becomes a pattern in your life, there, that can become an abusive trait where people on a spiritual level aren't being nurtured by you. They're being incredibly hurt by you. And you have a lot of collateral behind you versus converts. Question number two. How does someone navigate a spiritually abusive environment? Okay, so you maybe have seen some signs of spiritual abuse. You're like, wow, I'm in this. And there is a complexity to this because sometimes you have the opportunity to go, wow, you know, I can exit this community or I can exit this situation. But that's not always the case. Sometimes there is layered complexities to that decision. And it's not always just so black and white that you can exit. So you find yourself in possibly a spiritually abusive situation, community or culture, church. How do you navigate that? Here's some really practical practical ways that I would personally recommend. The first thing is, here's bottom line truth. You and I, we teach people how to treat us. Wow. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Come on. We teach people how to treat us. You and I, I teach people how to treat me. So what does that mean? Honor is a culture. It's not a one-time decision. It's a daily lifestyle. So with that, I'm actually teaching people on what I view as acceptable. So when people cross a boundary, I communicate a boundary has been crossed. When people address me in a certain way or use certain uh, maybe foul language or they come at me in a certain way that I view disrespectful or dishonorable or maybe playing out rude or they're sarcastic with me or they're demeaning to me or they are passive aggressive with me, I I won't allow that behavior. I will address that behavior 
and I'll do so modeling really Jesus in the sense of, you know, Jesus was not afraid to communicate a boundary. He was not afraid to communicate a standard, an expectation. And what I love is you and I can receive how people treat us, or we can teach how people treat us. And I think that when we have an empowered position where we're saying, hey, this is what I accept uh, on the way to be treated, we're going to have a much healthier process of relationships in our life. And I hit it real lightly, but again, you know, the second way that you can navigate a spiritually abusive environment is to communicate your boundaries. Now we have to understand you can't hold someone to a boundary you haven't communicated. You can't hold someone to an expectation you haven't communicated. That's true in marriage. That's true in a relationship. That's true in a friendship. That's true in any relationship in your life, whatever that looks like. We can't hold someone to something we haven't communicated. So if someone is crossing a boundary, you have to communicate they've crossed it. If they're addressing you in a way, if they're triggering you, if they're not making you feel safe, if they're making you feel disrespected, fill in the blank, whatever it may be, you have to communicate that. Now, if you communicate that and there still hasn't been a change in that, and there hasn't been a respect of what you've been communicated, that's when you go back and you reevaluate. That's when you go back and say, okay, Jesus, like, am I to still stay here? Am I, do I have permission or is this now become toxic and unhealthy for me? Because I think there is that tension that we walk in. You can be in a toxic, spiritually abusive environment and you can change things, right? Or you can say, nope, this isn't going to change. I've communicated this, but my boundaries and me teaching you how to treat me hasn't been respected. That's when I reevaluate things. That's when I'm going to Jesus. And that's when I'm finding out what's the best route at that point. That is so life-changing. Just the truths that you've shared already. I would add another way to navigate spiritual abuse is you have to respond with grace and truth. In order to address spiritual abuse in your setting, grace must be your default mode. And one of the most practical ways of having a grace-filled response is it's biblical to not put them on blast, but put them on blessed. And that's responding with grace. He said, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to spread something about you. I'm not going to talk to a friend. I'm not going to put it on social media. I'm not going to be passive aggressive on a post. I'm going to respond with grace. I'm not going to put you on blast. I'm going to put you on blessed. Because when you Mm, do get angry because of the abuse, you have to understand if you want to get vengeful, you're violating scripture. Because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The Bible doesn't say vengeance is yours. It's the Lord's. And when I'm trying to get vengeful, it all it does is cause me to grow more bitter and more offended. And I would also say, responding with grace and truth, you really have to fight to keep lines of communication open. Oh, so well said. And you know, we're going to bring in right now an excerpt from a conversation with one of my best friends in the whole world, Cherie Bowles. This is an incredible woman of wisdom and truth. And she has walked through her life so many challenging situations. And I've walked her do it with such grace and integrity and honor. I wanted all of you, the Keep It 100 family, to really be exposed to this woman because I believe what she brings has such wisdom. So go ahead, take a listen. What does healthy boundaries look like in the place where you're in a culture and you're not maybe having the authority to change the culture, but you can choose what you accept for you? Yeah. I mean, I think boundaries, um, that's a huge one, right? Because the Lord has said we're valuable and we are valuable, that's it. you know? Right. And so to under have an understanding of that baseline and to put up that 
you know, kind of safeguard around ourselves that we're going to advocate for ourselves as sons and daughters of the Lord that are worthy of being treated well and not dishonored. I think that boundaries is really huge. And I think that finding, striking a chord of um, of navigating that, I mean, sometimes something will happen that's so severe, and this has happened in my own life, in which I said, you know what, this is this is not recoverable. Um, and this is, you know, this is toxic. This is unhealthy. And so we're going to, ha- I need to sever this relationship. You yep. know, this isn't, sure. this is, I'm going to have to put up a boundary there. But then I think guarding our heart in an atmosphere where there's, you know, maybe you're in a situation where you can't just exit the relationship. Maybe it's right. it's in your church, it's in, it's in your family, it's maybe even in your marriage, learning to really set set those guidelines and really learn what you need. Yeah. Um, Having that confidence to voice that, right? Totally. And actually giving space and value to, hey, I need this. Exactly. And I think that boundaries are uncomfortable to set sometimes because it's part of that brave communication thing, you know? Yep. But the problem with being a conflict avoider is that you don't get what you want and you end up becoming resentful angry, irritable, frustrated. Come on. So true. So I think that that's one thing that I've really learned is how to articulate my needs. That's huge because, you know, I think something I've learned that really ties into this and you and I've even talked about this, you can't hold people accountable for what you haven't communicated, right? So someone, they don't understand culture of honor. They don't understand respect. They respect. It's not a safe space. Like there's this consistent disrespect. If you don't have that brave communication, if you do not articulate what you're not okay with, that's not going to change. So what I'm hearing, and you say, and I really want our listeners to catch this in order to break cycles of dishonor, in order to create healthy boundaries, in order to avoid toxic um, communication, relationships, whatever it may be, cycles in your life, you have to address it and th- where you can see them you know, change and evolve and hopefully get better and learn from what you've communicated. And clearly, if people aren't willing to make that change in their life, then you're going to have to really reevaluate whether you can have the relationship or not. You know, you're going to have to reevaluate whether you can be in that church culture, whether you can work in that organization or not. I think there comes a point where I think when we're conflict avoiders, and I think majority of people are, I think that would apply to the majority and not the minority, that a lot of people just instead of having the tough conversations, instead of having what we call the brave communication, they just cut off relationship and they don't give people an opportunity to learn, grow, mature, and even make right what they've done wrong. And I think in the process of honor, there's something for everybody. Honor people enough to have brave communication, honor people enough to communicate rather than just cut off relationship. Because when you cut it off with no explanation, well, that's not honoring either. You know, when you walked through, and I feel like there's been multiple scenarios where you've just kind of gone, man, I didn't deserve that. That was really dishonoring. I wasn't honored in that situation. How did you see God encounter you? Yeah, I feel like I've experienced him um, in some of the darkest places in the most strong way. Yeah. And he is the best guide through the things that we experience that are painful. You know, he's the best leader. He makes a way where there seems no way. He gives so much wisdom. I would say that there have, there have been times where I just, 
I didn't know how to move forward. I didn't know how to process my heart, my hurt, you know, my disappointment. And he would just guide so much. Um, I have seen him as the defender in my life. That's Come one on. thing I have That's seen so him good. so much because when you do get dishonored, you do get betrayed, taken advantage of, you know, there's this thing inside of us where we want to self-protect. We want to prove why that was wrong or receive recompense, you know, and there have been so many times where, or fix our reputation or whatever happened. Sure. And there's this surrender that I have learned when I've shared this with you before, where I've, you know, I was in a situation one time where I just was so outmatched. I, I, the picture that I got was like, I am a kid on a playground and I'm being picked on and I can't defend myself. There's just nothing I can do to defend myself. And the Lord was like, let me defend you, you know, mm. not against a person or, you know, right. but let me come in. Let me protect you. Let me be. It's a supernatural thing. It's bigger than me. The weight of trying to handle all those things was too much. And so I think one of my, one of the greatest gifts that I've received from the Lord in the midst of adversity is him being the justice bringer and not the punisher, but the redeemer, but the one who pays you back even more than what you have, you know, and the fact that I really don't have to be strong, that's something in myself, but that I can be strong in my dependence on him. My That's beautiful. Yes. And it's right. You know, it's not nice words. You've been friends with me. You've seen it. It's like, God, he's done that over and over again for me. And I think the guidance of the truth of the word of God, when you read it and it feels so anti what you might be feeling, feeling. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. Pray for your enemies. Forgive. Right. Yes. Come on. Enable behavior. But it challenges like the truth of a situation. Like there's more, there's higher, there's deeper to go in, in, in love, in communication, in boundaries. There's, there's a deeper place of healing here. So and good. So I think letting him deepen what I experience in the midst and what I have experienced in the midst of those things, teach me the fruit of the spirit, teach me to trust, teach me to surrender, see him literally be my defender. I love that. And you know what I'm hearing from you, Sheree, and I think it's so key for our listeners to grab a hold of is hope that Jesus defends you. Jesus comes through. Jesus meets you in the hard places and he does take you through it. He doesn't leave you in it Mm -hmm. and walk out from a place of honor, even in the midst of dishonor. So Sheree, thanks so much for sharing your heart, for coming on our podcast. Yes. Was I right or was I right? That was powerful. She was mighty. Right? Cherie walks in such a grace and a wisdom. And I love when she just shares her journey and she shares her insight of what God has always shown her through the challenging times. Because I always feel like when I hear her share her story, it changes my story. As always, Keep It 100 Tribe, we have our takeaways for this week and we're titling them How to Walk in 24-7 honor. The first takeaway for this week is do not allow other people's dishonor to determine your decision to honor. Ooh, oh my. That's good. I don't know about you, but so many times we can look at the world today and we can allow their standard, which is low, <laughs> to become your standard. And we have to understand you and I as followers of Jesus, we are living a different standard. Even when laws get passed that we don't like, even when leadership gets put into place that you may not be excited about, that boss gets hired or that pastor becomes the senior pastor or that person gets a promotion of leadership. You know, when 
we look at life and we navigate the unexpected surprises that we often, especially in this season, have found ourselves with so many moving parts, so many situations that we did not foresee, we have a choice whether we honor or we dishonor. And that doesn't mean we agree, but it does mean we walk in a place of peace. We walk in a place of humility and we speak blessing and not curse. And so I think such a incredible example of this is Daniel. He was viewed as one of the most uh, prolific prophets of his time in the sense of many kings would call upon him to speak truth, to speak wisdom, to speak the word of the Lord. He was able to do this because he did not live a life of dishonor. He lived a life of honor. Daniel's lived such a life of integrity behind closed doors that when doors opened for him, he was able to walk through them with confidence. You know, he served an evil king. He served in a culture that he didn't agree to. He was actually kidnapped and brought into the Babylonian culture. He was a foreigner and he became a slave, but then he ended up getting promotion to a place of authority and that he consistently honored and his honor, which came from humility, came from wisdom, came from being rooted and grounded in the spirit of God. He, there was a contrast to the chaos around him. Come on, friends. I want you to catch this. Honor creates a contrast in the chaos of culture. And when we live with integrity, people will look at us and go, what about them is different? We are called to be Daniels of today. That even when the laws of the land change, even when we live in a culture of dishonor, Daniel kept God at the forefront of his life and nothing swayed him from a place of worship and exaltation. He was the same every day of his life because he chose to honor God. And even when people came against him, God was his defender. And I believe as you live a life of honor, just like we read in that scripture earlier, God will always honor you when you've honored him. Second takeaway, when you're really wanting to walk out 24 seven honor, that second takeaway is the fruit in your life. Friends, you and I have to have a fruit where people see that there is honor that we live in and people actually are edified and become better versions of themselves by being in relationship with us. What do I mean by that? I have a core belief, Sean and I have a core belief that we want people so edified, so honored, so encouraged that they literally become a better version of themselves by being in friendship with us, by being in relationship with us, that people actually go deeper in their walk with Jesus. They go harder after the things of God, that people become more free. We want people to walk in the best possible version of who God created them to be. And that's by us, I believe, choosing to walk in honor, that we honor people, we edify people, we build people up, that people's names are safe in our mouth. And I need someone to catch this that's listening today. If you cannot speak blessing about people, you're quick to criticize. That's not a culture of honor that you're cultivating. A culture of honor is you're quick to compliment. You're quick to build up. You're quick to remind people who they are in Christ Jesus. And you know, that will also have a ripple effect of you will have long friendships in your life when you live a life of honor. I have friendships in my life 
that are past the 20 year mark. Uh, I have uh, many of my friends that are well past the 15 year mark, but I believe that we are able to have long-term healthy relationships when we know what it is to recognize who someone is and they have value and worth in their life. And we've made that known to them. Their name is safe on our mouth. They know that when we speak of them, we speak well of them. That is awesome. The third Keeper 100 take it on how to walk in 24 seven honor is taking it from the casual to consistent. The question you got to ask yourself, does Jesus get honor and glory from your life? Is he honored in your home? Is he honored when no one's looking? Would he feel comfortable at your dinner table? Mm. Or would he feel at home with what you're watching? what you're reading, what you're listening to, the websites you're going to. Do you honor them with your heart? It's so often it's easy to put on a show for others to see, but is your worship heartfelt? Are you preoccupied with this idea that Jesus must be exalted through every facet of your life? Let me give you some practical suggestions in this area. One of the things that I have done is make the Holy Spirit the unseen guest at all times. Something flashes on television and all of a sudden it's like, ah, I didn't know that that scene was going to come in the movie or on the show. I turn my head, I cover my eyes because I know the Holy Spirit's in me. I don't want him to have to view that. I don't want to view that. I make a practice of meditating on Jesus and his word because I really believe that out of sight, out of mind is more than a saying. It's a truth. The more you meditate on Jesus and his word, the more cognizant you'll be of his presence. Keep this truth in mind if you're a follower of Christ. Low views of scripture do not lend themselves to high views of God. Wow. You have to value his word. The fourth and final keep it 100 takeaway in terms of how to walk in 24-7 honor is you honor the Lord by living with integrity. Integrity simply is when your behavior matches your beliefs. So good. You gain trust, respect, honor, and influence when you walk in integrity. When you live a life of integrity, you will have a life of influence. So many people want influence, but they don't want to have the integrity. If you want great children, you got to have to be a parent of integrity. If you want to be a great leader, be a man or woman of integrity. If you want influence in your life, you got to be a person of your word. When you have integrity, people will follow you. They'll honor you. They'll listen to you. They'll seek your wisdom and advice because you're a person who can be trusted. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms. And check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep It 100 fam. You do not want to miss our next episode. We are going to be talking about this incredible subject of how to have courageous conversations and how to be effective in conflict. And we also have some surprises in store. So remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it